Welcome to Business Pants. We are Free Float. We are Matt, Ari, Jesse, Damien. Today's podcast, Business Pants Corporate Theater. Let me hand it off to our MC and get the show going. Our corporate theater players this week are the extraordinary Courtney Cook, Phil Hawk, Ashley Kutzer, and Mark McGee. This week on the show, we unearth the origin story behind these kooky annual CEO letters to shareholders made famous by big, cuddly, billionaire teddy bear Warren Buffett. And then we take a tweaky, spazzy, frenetic, conspiracy-laced look at short-seller Hindenburg Research. Up first, let's talk CEO letters to shareholders, shall we? Where do they come from? What is their purpose? Pull up a chair and put on your learning cap because Business Pants is taking you to... CEO Letter Writing School. Uh... Hi, I'm Gunter Llewellyn, head of content here at the Business Pants Podcast. And uh, <laughs> if you're a corporate governance junkie like me, well, you've noticed that we are in the thick of the CEO Letter to Shareholders season. <laughs> These letters come out right before the annual meeting of the shareholders, much like the United States President's State of the Union speech. The CEO takes on the role of a, of a corporate cheerleader in a statement that is, that is more public relations fluff than honest, cold, hard facts. Now, many shareholder letters have been known to contain hidden messages that if, that if properly deciphered can tell you exactly how a certain company is doing and, and unveil clues to any potential impending doom related to the financial institution as a whole. A careful reading of the letter not only focuses on what management chooses to emphasize, but also what management chooses to omit or minimize. To the savvy investor, the CEO letter can reveal quite a lot about a company and its leadership. So, how did this annual CEO propaganda declaration tradition begin? <laughs> well, the history is a bit foggy. Annual reports started to appear in the early 1900s here in the U.S., but it is not certain when the first shareholder letter was actually written. That's where our business pants corporate theater troupe comes in. They will attempt to show the origin of the CEO letter to shareholders in the following presentation appropriately titled The Origin of the CEO Letter to Shareholders. We now take you to the office of Humboldt J. Houseman, the president of the Houseman Furniture Company in Glendale, Ohio, in the year of our Lord, 1917. We hope you enjoy it, and more importantly, we hope you learn something too. Peace!
Good morning, Mr. Houseman. You're here early. Good morning, Johnson. Yes. Uh, well, I couldn't sleep last night. Have you heard what Henry Ford is doing now? What now with Hank? It was in last night's paper. Automaker Henry Ford is instituting a five-dollar-a-day wage, which constitutes double the industry norm. At the same time, Ford reduced the working day from nine hours to eight, becoming the first company in America to adopt a 40-hour work week. What the hell does Ford think he's doing? Well, sir, there is an ever-growing belief that the task of factory management is to determine the best way for the worker to do the job to provide the proper tools and training, and to provide incentives for good performance. That includes higher wages and shorter working hours. Bah! That ridiculous scientific management theory created by socialist crackpot Fred W. Taylor. Oh, crackpot or not, his idea is getting a lot of discussion, especially from workers. More money, less hours. It's a worker's dream. It's also a dangerous dream. That the success or failure of a company is not solely on the shoulders of the workers. That the managers are to take half of the burden of being responsible for securing the proper work conditions for workers' prosperity. Oh, it's a dangerous idea, Johnson. Uh, many think that the real dangers lie in management's obsession with productivity at any cost. Overworked, exhausted workers with absolutely no incentives only leads to apathetic employees that do not care one iota how good a job they do. The best way to advance productivity is to listen to the workers. I'm afraid, Mr. Houseman, that's the future of the worker-management relationship. Oh, poppycock! I've also heard some whisperings about potential government regulations limiting the hiring of children under 14. Can you even imagine? No, 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 no. We need to instill the principles of capitalism in them as early as we can. Work is what God put us on the planet to do. There is nothing more rewarding. Well, that's certainly one interpretation of God, Mr. Houseman. This future of workplace equality can only lead to the destruction of the tried-and-true imperial management structure that has survived since the primordial slime. Management is king, and workers need to know their place. Henry Ford will have a lot of explaining to do with the upcoming captains of industry clambake. Can I pour you a soothing bourbon, sir? Ah, yes, Johnson, thank you. I had a thought last night that may delay this inevitable future. What if I wrote a letter to the workers telling them how good the company is doing and how much I appreciate their contributions? Something to take the focus away from these unnatural changes taking place elsewhere. Hmm, that's an interesting idea. Management communicating with the workers. It's a novel concept. I'm surprised Ford hasn't thought of that. Henry Ford doesn't care about his workers. He just wants to lead the world in creating new techniques to increase the bottom line. Using this scientific management theory is his latest attempt. I see. But, but this letter idea, that would be all mine. And I wouldn't have to increase wages or reduce hours. Why mess with a perfect system? They work, they go home, they eat, they sleep, and then they come back to the factory. No time to sit around and think. It does feel perfect, doesn't it? 
If I could convince my workers into believing that they're doing a reasonable job and it's helping the company grow, that should be enough, right? Convince into believing? Uh, I don't believe for one minute that our company's success relies on its workers. The men in these offices lead this company. Me, a couple of board members, a financial expert, and a clerk, you, Abner. That's the company. Not anyone in the factory. But I can make them believe they have some power. Just think of the possibilities for this type of communication. You could discuss the company's financial strength, debt levels, ongoing or growing problems with cash flow and cost controls. Yes, this could be revolutionary, Mr. Houseman. What the hell are you talking about? I'm going to give them heaping amounts of candy-coated bullshit. Not the inner workings of this company. You're talking corporate heresy, Johnson. Corporate heresy! Uh, speaking of executive officers, have you heard the latest term being thrown about? Chief executive officer? Y you mean instead of president? Yes, it's being used quite a lot overseas and is slowly being introduced here in the United States. Oh, I, I don't like that at all. No, no. The, the leader of a company should be called president. Like the president of the United States. Besides, chief executive officer would imply that there are many executive officers milling about. How ludicrous and wasteful is that? No, I am president of Hausman Furniture, the leader of the company. Still, I do think you are on to something with this letter idea. An annual event, like the presidential State of the Union address, something for the people to look forward to each year. Just like the King of England's annual Christmas address. I hesitate to say this, but there are other rumblings of impending government regulations for corporations, especially with more private companies going public and acquiring shareholders. It will never happen, not in this country. And not if presidents keep our reins on our workers and are allowed to run our companies the way we see fit. But if these regulations come, we may be required to submit an annual financial report to the public, not just employees. That may be a good time to send out a letter. Regulations will be the goddamn death of the American corporation. That's what would be wonderful about this letter. It will be an informal, unregulated form of expression. I can say whatever hokey malarkey I want, but it's not a legally binding document. Besides, people will much more want to read an informal, optimistic letter than cold, hard balance sheets. Without a doubt, sir. We can make the release of the letter a yearly spectacle. I could give advice and predictions about corporate America as a whole, not just our company. Uh, what is Hausman writing about this year? They'll say, well, what advice does the great Humboldt Hausman have this year? Oh, inspired, sir. Inspired. Hell, I'll be known as the Sage of Ohio. Oh, this is good, Johnson. This is damn good. All right, let's have a crack at this letter, shall we? I'll pour you some more bourbon, sir. And light me a cigar. We're about to change history, for Christ's sakes. Take that, Henry Ford!
Before I get to our last sketch, let me once again thank our business band's corporate theatre in alphabetical order. They are Courtney Cook, Philip Huck, Ashley Kutzer, and Mark McGee. Let's end today's show with a delightful conspiracy theory. This one is about short seller Hindenburg Research. Named after the 1937 Hindenburg disaster, which they characterize as a human-made avoidable disaster... The firm generates public reports that allege corporate fraud and malfeasance. Let's listen in to two tweaky, twerky, twerpy, tweety Hindenburg research analysts. Meanwhile, in the offices of Hindenburg Research. Hey, did you see the publicity we're getting already since our latest press release? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been great, huh? Um, Hindenburg Research takes aim at Twitter, shares plunge, um, block ink stock tumbles on Hindenburg short report. Uh, after a Donnie bomb, Hindenburg Research teases another big report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. P- people are really talking about us. You know it. We are definitely corporate governance game changers now. We're doing such good work that is actually making a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's great. It's it's great. Listen, listen. Have you have you ever noticed that that, that some articles use certain words that um well certain words that, that that kind of reflect on our name? Certain words. What do you mean? Well, well, like in those headlines, Hindenburg Research takes aim at Twitter shares plunge uh, a block stock tumbles on hindenburg short report after adani bomb hindenburg research teases another big report plunge tumble bomb don't you think those all could relate to our name hindenburg i mean you know the, the 1937 hindenburg airship disaster oh come on that's crazy those are just all normal words used in all financial related articles okay 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 what how about these three other examples Hindenburg Research alleged that the payment app block had inflated user metrics. Hindenburg Research, the the financial research firm with an explosive name. Hindenburg scorching allegations. Hindenburg, the short seller that that sent the Adani business empire into a tailspin. Inflated, explosive, scorching tailspin. Um, I see what you mean. Look, I'm sure it's just some harmless tongue-in-cheek journalism nothing to get offended about yeah i i, I suppose but, but but have you have you ever wondered why the company chose the name hindenburg <laughs> the hindenburg incident was the epitome of a totally man-made totally avoidable disaster almost a hundred people were loaded onto a balloon filled with the most flammable element in the universe this was despite dozens of earlier hydrogen-based aircraft meeting with similar fates 
Hindenburg Research looks for familiar man-made disasters floating around in the market and aims to shed light on them before they lure in more unsuspecting victims. Listen, I, I, I know what it says on our website, but, but, but don't you think it was still an unusual way to go? I mean, that was a terrible accident that killed 35 people not even 100 years ago. And it's on film. Everyone's seen the footage. It was kind of the 9-11 of its day. Well, you could say that Led Zeppelin went there first. Oh, true, 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 true. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I just, I just think it's a little dark to to have that disaster stand for all the good work we do here. It's kind of like naming something after the Titanic or uh, or the Challenger uh, space shuttle or, or or like I said, nine eleven. No one is ever going to name anything after nine eleven, especially a governance firm. You don't know that in in eighty or ninety years, maybe they will. Uh, whenever people. People think enough time has gone by to make the disaster seem less terrible. But, but I don't think there's ever enough time to make that happen. I mean, using a tragic event to sell your product is pretty dark. Even if the, the Hindenburg didn't blow up, it was still a great big glaring piece of Nazi propaganda. It had four huge swastikas on its tail fin. Jesus, that's right. And, 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 and you know what's a little unsettling? Look at our logo. It's just a stylized H, right? Yeah, but, 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 but look at the colors. Red and black, just like the colors of the swastikas. Holy shit. And and see the, the, the top right part of the H? It sort of resembles the tail fin where the swastikas were. Okay, now this is getting really creepy. I know, I know. There, There's just something wrong about this. And then having articles written about us that sort of make light of the whole disaster, like explosive and scorching. Come on, that's terrible. Oh, okay, so, so what do we do? Should we say anything? Well, I, I actually have a meeting with HR about it, just, just to see if it's a battle I should even take on. Yeah, yeah, you definitely don't want that exploding in your face. No, I, de I definitely don't want to come across as some kind of gas bag. Yeah, you do not want to spark any controversy. No, or ignite any unwanted attention. And you surely don't want to get fired. No, I don't want to get fired. Oh, oh, look, it's five o'clock. Let's blow this joint. We are bored Sabermetrics, and we will be back tomorrow without this silly voice, I promise. And please, go ahead, share this podcast with your pals.